Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with the Athletics' John Hollinger, and we are going to overreact today and talk about preseason rookies and sophomores. Here we go. All right, we're back with the Athletics' John Hollinger, who over the course of the last couple of weeks has been producing a ton of content doing preseason previews for all 30 teams. I've been reading along. You should check it out over at The Athletic as well. I really like the pithy, what is it, like 15 words uh, scouting report on every player that... that (laughs) <laughs> 12 words 12, 12 words it's a yeah. it's an art form it really is it's my favorite part uh, every time and we're going to probably do a little bit more than 12 words on uh, a few of the uh, prospects john and i talked all last season about these rookies and uh the, the 2021 nba draft we've got to see them in summer league now we've got to see some of them uh in the preseason i, I want to start john with you know when you were working with the grizzlies what does preseason mean and what does it not mean as far as evaluating where your players are and what they're going to be like in the, in the season, especially rookies? Yeah, you mostly just are kind of taking the initial temperature because, you know, the biggest thing with anyone you draft is that they have to get better from the point they entered the league. There are very few players who are good enough on day one to really impact winning in the NBA. Very few even the ones who end up being awesome. And so you're trying to see a, where they are right now to get your kind of initial conditions. So you can see if they're, you know, if they're trending upward or not. And then also, I guess, get a, get a bearing on kind of how far away are they? How how much better do they need to get to, to be able to help you? Um, So, and it's it's different for everyone. It, you know, it depends too. Is the guy a four year player, or was he a one and done? Uh, and and those kinds of things. And then I think the other thing you're looking at is is this a you? It depends. Is this a guy I'm counting on to be playing for us the first week of the season, or is this guy a guy who's 11 through 15 on the roster and is a uh, developmental player in which case hey you have different expectations and you have different kind of needs for what you see to happen need, need to see to happen so there's a lot going on there I, I think in general you try not to overreact too much though to what you see um, now the one thing that is nice is usually preseason you get to see under the hood a little more on other teams with guys who may not play much during the year so a lot of front offices spend time evaluating that and looking at these other teams, especially when we played eight preseason games and preseason was just this endless slog, which isn't anymore, um, that that you had some time to really get some evaluation done on these secondary players on other teams. We don't get to see the number one pick in the draft, Kate Cunningham. He's uh, been out of preseason with an injury. How much does it affect a young player's start that they don't get those preseason reps? Is that is that hurt Cade Cunningham this year that he's not out there in in camp and and playing uh preseason basketball is that yeah I think it I think it hurts these guys when they come in behind um when they when they don't have the benefit of the especially if, if they miss the whole training camp um and and the preseason minutes yeah I I think that's an issue and it's it's not that his whole year is screwed it's just that he's going to be behind, right? When he, when he does take the floor, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be in September rather than in mid October, like everyone else. So uh, I, I do think that'll be something of a factor, especially those first couple games when he, when he comes back. Yeah. It's a big jump. It's a big jump from summer league uh, and missing camp and missing those preseason reps to, okay, this is a real game. Uh, I don't think the injury is supposed to be uh, particularly serious for Cunningham. It sounds like more more than anything else, the Pistons are just playing it safe. Um, so hopefully we see him soon. Let's talk about some of the other guys that were at the top of this draft. Uh, big expectations for Jalen Green. I, I thought he's going to be the favorite to be Rookie of the Year, just in part because I thought he has the best chance to just score a ton of points this year uh, on a really bad Rockets team. Yeah, He's, he's kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit. Uh, 34% shooting from the field, uh, 20% shooting from three. 
This wasn't exactly the performance I think the Rockets were hoping to see from Jalen Green in the preseason. Yeah, um, and I, I think, though, if you looked at what he did in the G League last year, I don't think it was realistic to expect him to come into NBA games and start scoring 20 a game right away, right? And so I, I, I think that's probably, you know, th- this is what he is right now. And he could be a completely different player in December, but th- this, is, this is what he is right now out of the gate. Again, there are very few 19-year-olds who are good NBA players out of the shoot. Like, that's just not how it works. Uh, I, I think uh... – uh, you know, again, let's see in January, February, where Jalen Green is. I, I'm still, I'm still putting my bets on him being Rookie of the Year this year, uh, though he he didn't get the hottest start, certainly of the top rookies. Yeah, I mean, it ends up being a points per game competition a lot of times, and so he's you you got to think he's a he's got pretty good odds in that kind of setup. Uh, if Cade starts slow, that'll help him. Uh, Evan Mobley, I think we're going to talk about in a second, would be probably the other most prominent contender. Jalen Suggs, maybe. Uh, so he's he's got as good a chance as anyone still. Yeah. So let's talk about Evan Mobley, a guy that I think I expect to be a little bit further behind, especially in a rookie of the year type race. I thought he had a pretty nice preseason, actually. I thought I thought he showed a lot of things. And you know, one of the question marks I had is how are the Cavs going to use him with Jaron Allen and with Laurie Markkinen right now. And again, this we saw him shine the best when they put a, put the ball in his hands. Yeah, he was able to do a lot of stuff um, off the dribble, like attacking from the three point line, even off the dribble. And you know, they've been playing sometimes actually with a big point guard with all three of the. Uh, I'm sorry, a big lineup with all three of those guys on the floor at the same time, uh, which kind of sort of works. And also the Cavs small forwards are bad, so it's not really hurting anything. So uh, it's, it's interesting. I, based on what we saw in summer league, we looked like, okay, it's going to take a while. He's a little ways away. Now all of a sudden you watch him in preseason. It's like, Oh wow, that was fast. (laughs) Like here, here he is. And it's a lot more of the types of things we thought we'd be seeing uh, when we saw him at USC a year ago. So I would say a really encouraging start uh, for Mobley, and we'll see if he can carry it over now into the regular season when the stakes are going to shift a little bit. Teams might do more things to counteract that big lineup Cleveland plays, you know, jam up the paint and 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 really make things difficult for them. But, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's been and, – and both sides of the floor too. Like he's had some impressive defensive moments too. Yeah, let, let, let all rookies in rebounding as well, which you know wasn't necessarily his strength at, at USC. It, it's, it's clear that physically he's going to struggle being a five or even a four right now in the NBA, getting pushed around. I think strength's an issue. And so it is interesting, and kudo to the Cavs at times, to try to play him differently, getting facing the basket, putting the ball in his hands a little bit. I think this is part of his game that he can develop. And if he starts, if he starts sinking threes, uh, I think we're going to get back on the maybe Evan Mobley was the best player in this draft. Yeah, uh, certainly a thought I had watching him against Chicago last week. I mean, he looked really good. Yeah, he had that one, you know, breakaway where he dribbled behind his back, uh, taking it taking it coast to coast. That I was just like, you, you yeah. just don't see seven footers uh, do that. I don't care if it's preseason, what it is. Um, just the agility that he has in the open court as well, yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, quickly pulled it back. Like it, the guard thought he was going to pick him, and he just he just went whoop and and pulled it right back around his back. It was the type of move you only see a smaller player make usually. Yeah. And it was definitely to me, one of the big standout moments for rookies. Just if you're thinking about sort of a moment that a player had, it was amazing. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes because in, in some ways I thought he may have had the most impressive preseason of any of the rookies. I was expecting less from Scotty Barnes coming in again. I wasn't sure how the Raptors were going to use him. That was a big question mark. He's so versatile one of the problems with versatility is where are you going to pick your poison and use him? It ends up leading all rookies in assists, ends up leading the Raptors uh, in assists uh, in, in preseason as well. Is he going to be a big point guard in the NBA? Is is this how you think the Raptors are going to use him? And is this is this the best use for Scotty Barnes? Well, I I think he can be that kind of player. I, I wasn't sure if he was like a full-time on-ball player or not, and I think the jury's still out on that or if he's more like a a secondary guy but 
you know, one of the things with him, if you have somebody on the ball that much that needs to be able to score too, and I think he showed a little more as a scorer, and that's what allowed him to generate assists. Like he was making some mid-range shots and stuff, and like just getting to some shots that you didn't really see in his bag that much at Florida State, I thought. So I thought that was really encouraging. The Raptors historically have done a pretty good job of taking not great shooters and making them better at it. Um, did it with Ananobi, did it with Siakam, uh, kind of did it even with Fred Van Vliet, to be honest. And uh, and now you're seeing that they might be able to do the same thing here with Scotty Barnes. Uh, and when you combine that with his defensive potential to be at his size, you know, truly switchable in the sense that he can guard one, two, three, four, and five, basically against most lineups maybe don't put him on Joel Embiid, but you know, most, right. of, most other bigs, even he can handle. Um, and that defensive potential with that offensive playmaking potential. Yeah. That's why, that's why I was high in him coming into the draft and, and he's really looked the part. Yeah. He, he seems ahead of schedule right now. I think that's probably, you know, what I was seeing out of Scotty Barnes in the preseason was maybe what I was hoping to see in like year two, uh, with Scotty yeah. Barnes for the Raptors, but defensively, it looks like he's already got it, uh, and the Raptors are going to be using him that way. And again, the three-point shot's probably the one thing that that's still coming along. I, I think he's only shot like twenty percent from three. Uh, but uh, you know, to your point, uh, talking to the Raptors, that was one of the things they've been emphasizing on him is just be more aggressive. Like we trust you. Uh, it, sometimes a little passive. Scotty Barnes was on the offensive end at, at Florida State. Be more aggressive, and we've seen him doing that um, right now. So if that confidence level gets up there, you know we're talking about Evan Mobley being the best player in this draft. Scotty Barnes has a potential to be the best player in this draft as well. And and uh, absolutely. And I absolutely think Raptors fans who freaked out on draft night that they passed on Jalen Suggs uh, to get Scotty Barnes are in a completely different world right now. Feeling uh, a lot better now, yeah. <laughs> especially. Absolutely. When Jalen Suggs, who was a guy who I thought might have the second best chance of winning Rookie of the Year because I thought he was more NBA ready. You knew the Magic were going to give him a, a prominent yeah. role on this team. He starts out as the starter um, over Cole Anthony at point guard. And uh, man, uh, defensively, uh, we definitely saw some things from Scotty Barnes. His first matchup was against Marcus Smart, which I think is sort of interesting because I kind of almost wonder whether... Uh, they're not the exact same player, but could have similar type careers. I think they're yeah. they're they're wired kind of similarly, uh, and you mm -hmm. saw those guys crashing into each other on opening night. But the, the offensive game uh, for Jalen Suggs has been uh, been pretty problematic. And that I thought that was the biggest question about him coming in is half court offense. Is he going to be able to be a pick and roll operator? Is he going to be able to get to pull up jump shots? Because um, we didn't we didn't see a ton of that at Gonzaga. It was a lot of transition um a lot of i mean you could clearly see he was a good defender and was really good in the open court but what kind of half court offensive player could he evolve into i think was the biggest question i think it's still the biggest question you know i like i test wise i don't think he was as bad as his numbers like as you say i thought he looked pretty solid on the defensive end um but on a team with so few offensive weapons you kind of hope he produces something at that end and and it's not really there yet yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not panic time for the Magic uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. But one, Raptors fans had to feel pretty good about Scotty Barnes versus Jalen Suggs in the early going. Yeah, totally. Uh, as well, and uh, you know, if I'm a Magic fan, it's not just that Jalen Suggs didn't quite shine, but Franz Wagner. Uh, and, and maybe I didn't expect this as much from Franz Wagner. I thought this was probably a little bit more of a work in progress. Uh, also, not off to the hottest start uh, in the in the preseason. I can understand that one a little more because as a complimentary player on a team with no primary players, basically that it's, it's hard for him to get to his game a little bit on, on that team. I think, I think he's a guy who is better on a good team and it, it may be a little bit uh, of a trial for him to be the, the type of player uh, that that can make an impact on a bad team. Like Chumo Kiki is a little like that too, actually. The, you know, the rookie from a year ago where, you know, they're big, big forwards, pretty good basketball IQ, you know, make the right 
play and stuff. And I, I, I just think with if you put more good players around those guys, I think they tend to look a lot better. So I, I'm, I guess I'm willing to forgive a little more what I've seen from Franz Wagner. My question in watching him and the Magic was one of the reasons we were excited about him was his defensive potential. I think that's where especially the advanced analytics really liked Franz Wagner. I think we kind of knew offensively he was a mixed bag and certainly not a guy that you want to be your primary offensive weapon. And and you saw, you know, even in Michigan, Michigan get in trouble when that's what Franz Wagner was trying to do for them. Uh, he, he, he maybe didn't quite look as athletic um, or maybe as, uh, as switchable defensively as we saw at Michigan early on. I mean, that, that was sort of my early read just from the eye test is, is he going to be able to put up the sort of same defensive impact in the NBA uh, that, that he was able to do in college? Uh, does he, does he have the lateral quickness, the speed um, to do that? I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that early on. Uh, probably, probably not too developed on that front. I, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, th- I thought he'd be very switchable at his size. Um, when I, when I saw him in Michigan, uh, Orlando keeps screwing with my head by putting his brother in the game and then he gets <laughs> lit. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, what happened? He's horrible. It's a mess. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I, I, I jest, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just wonder if he, if he's a guy who's like the, the way he plays is just gonna, he's going to look like not much when he's on a bad team. Oklahoma City surprises folks, passes on Jonathan Kaminga, uh, takes Josh Giddy, uh, which I thought was a little high, to be honest. Uh, I like mm-hmm. Josh Giddy. I thought it was a little bit high personally. I, don't, I can't remember where you had him exactly uh, on your board. We don't really get to see him in the summer league. He gets injured in the first five minutes uh, of summer league. He's been pretty impressive for Oklahoma City uh, early on, especially I think what the thing that we knew he was going to bring, which is he, he's an elite passer. He can really see the floor. Um, toughness is there. Uh, getting to the basket. His jump shot, we kind of knew was a, a question mark and probably still is a question mark. His defense, we knew was probably even a bigger question mark, still is. Yeah. Uh, but but early on, I, I, I thought for a young player, and he's a really young player, he's looked pretty confident, if nothing else, for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I got to be honest. I've kind of made it a point to not watch Oklahoma City in the preseason because this team is so bad that I, I just I, I I just don't know how much of them I'm going to be able to bear. Um, they're, but, they're 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 awful, <laughs> and it's going to be interesting actually how that impacts him because there is like you talk about him not being able to shoot. There like nobody on that whole team can shoot. Like I, I just you know so is is he ever going to have kind of the openings he needs to to play the kind of game he wants to be able to play uh that I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing with with that team uh because i mean they're they're going to be last in three-point shooting i gotta think like like way last it's it's going to be an issue uh he did in his last game nearly put up a triple double uh, which is, you know, I think you're going to see the value there. And it reminded me a little bit, Giddy reminded me a little bit of like, you know, we talked about what a passer LaMelo Ball was before the draft, mm-hmm. but most people aren't paying attention. And most people were listening to the hype about the balls and whatever. And then they start watching LaMelo Ball in the preseason. They're like, oh, wait, this guy, this guy's a special passer. And they're like, yeah, we were screaming that at the top of our lungs before the draft, but it's different to see in the NBA game. And I will say in what I've watched of Oklahoma City, I'm not saying he's a LaMelo Ball-esque passer, but he really does have elite court vision, um, a, a really feel for the game. And I, and I do say there's a swagger um, that he's put on the court. He does not feel at all intimidated that he's out there playing against NBA players. And I, I, I'm overall, I'm, I'm feeling you can't feel bad about this pick from Oklahoma City from what we've seen early on. Uh, it's not like Jonathan Kaminga was going to solve their three-point shooting problems uh, for OKC yeah, either. Yeah. You know, the other thing with him, if you talk to anyone in Australia, that they really thought he had a fire within him. It's it's clear. Um, and th- that he's a, you know, despite you look at the skinny build or whatever, but like that he was a, a real competitor out there and willing to mix it up in the paint and, and rebound and do some of those things. So I, th- I think those are some positives that we can look forward to right away from him. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about other top rookies in their preseason uh, play, as well as some rookies that struggled a little bit. But before we do so, I want to talk 
about Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. And Game Pick owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply have more scheduled games to play in that week are over. Days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for every player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All of the odds are up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You won't be disappointed. All right, I'm back with the Athletics' John Hollinger. We're talking preseason rookies right now. John's been writing a really cool series of articles over at The Athletic doing a preseason breakdown for all 30 teams, plus that 12-word scouting report for every player in the league. It's a actually really fun read, as, as all of John's stuff is. Make sure you go over to The Athletic, subscribe. It's one of the best deals on the internet for just all the content that you get. I'm a subscriber over at The Atlantic, uh, at The Athletic as well. And uh, also check out NBABigBoard.com right now, where we'll be talking more about rookies and their preseason performances. Uh, You can check that out over there uh, as well. John, we've talked about the top guys in the draft. Jonathan Kaminga gets injured early on, so probably not a lot to say. We also just know that his role at Golden State this this season, we're not going to see much of Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody unless there's major injury issues, I think, this year at Golden State. Davian Mitchell. Ninth player in the draft, a little bit of a head scratcher about, you know, okay, uh, their strength is their backcourt right now, and they draft Davian Mitchell. Uh, He's also one of the older players in the draft, so I think we expected him to come in and play pretty well. Defensively, he's been awesome. Uh, I think we expected that. One question we had is what kind of shooter he's going to be, Uh, whether that junior year at Baylor was uh, an an aberration uh, to what we'd seen earlier in his career. So far, he's been shooting the ball well, both in in preseason and in the summer league. Uh, What do you think about Davian Mitchell? What do you think about this fit uh, in Sacramento? I don't know if you've seen them play yet, but this this, uh, three-guard lineup that they're, they're putting out there. Yeah, and I mean they're kind of forced to play three with three guards a lot because they basically have no forwards on the team because they decided to keep seven centers. So that you know that's that's just how they're built. You know, I I I I think the pick so far looks pretty decent. I mean, defensively on the ball, like he is ridiculous, right? He's as good as anybody in the league right now. He's not backing down, um, and he's causing problems yeah, for guys exactly. and, and, and shocking. Shocking him. Yeah, you you can't get around him. Yeah, so he got Rondo uh, to double dribble last night, uh, just because I think Rondo just wasn't expecting him just to get in his grill like he did. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think the encouraging thing that you saw snippets of in summer league and in the preseason um, is that the shooting didn't look like a fluke. I mean, small sample and whatnot, but like he was still able to get to you know kind of those same kind of step backs and and uh, long threes that he was taking at Baylor and, and it didn't look at a place. Um, he's, we haven't seen him in the paint that much. Maybe, um, he is a little on the small side. So I think the the entire question with him is just what kind of offensive player is he going to be? Because defensively, I mean, you know, he's going to be a plus on that end. Um, so, but is he, you know, is he just going to top out as like being Corey Joseph or something because he can't give you enough offensively? Or is like if he's a or is he going to be more like a Marcus Smart level value where he's like a pretty decent offensive player and also holy crap the defense? Um, and and I think that's the only question with him. Now Sacramento had to do some suboptimal surgery to uh to even get to the, the roster to this point. I mean, trading a you know, one of the best backup 
point guards in the league and DeLon Wright for like another big who that they didn't really need and is kind of replacement level. And they have like Thompson. six or I mean, seven that, centers on this team, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Marvin Bagley, like how does he even like play five with, with you know, when you already have uh, Rashawn Holmes was actually good. Um, Alex Len Thompson, Chemezi Medu, um, D- Damian Jones was non-guaranteed and they picked him up. It was like, <laughs> really? Like you need a, you need another one. Like, what are we doing here? Um, so but I, I digress. But Mitchell, I think, is – I mean, that's looked really encouraging so far. You expect a little more immediate production maybe with an, with an older player, but he, even allowing for that, like, I, I think right now you have to feel pretty good about that pick. Let's talk about his teammate at Baylor, Jared Butler, slides to 40th in the draft. You and I both had him ranked, I believe, as about a lottery pick, right? Kind of a late I lottery. I had him rated as a lottery pick. Yeah, I think I had him 11th on my board. Yeah, uh, I think I think he was around 14 or so. I, I mean, obviously the injury question mark at the end, you know, created issues because he was held out of the NBA combine uh, for concerns about his heart. Um, there was also some concerns about his knee. 40 is ridiculous, especially, you know, the story is so fascinating because the Jazz loved him. I was talking to the Jazz on the day of the draft, and I I told them, man, I, I've talked to Jared Butler's agent. He thinks he's a, he has no stop point for him. I think he might get to you. And they were like, no way. There's no way he's going to get to them. It's like, that changes everything. Dennis Lindsay, who was their you know executive uh, president, uh, was a big Baylor guy, had been on him early. They end up trading the 30th pick because they have to make that move at about the 21st pick is I think when they traded the 30th pick to Memphis. You don't you don't find out about it until actually, you know, uh, the, the pick is made. But I think they, they traded it right about when the 21st pick went off the board. Uh, then they trade back again uh, and, and end up at 40 and get this guy. He's led all rookies in scoring. Uh, he has looked uh, especially for a guy that really didn't get a workout through the combine, did not get to do summer league. He's looked as smooth, as buttery as ever um, out there right exactly. now. Exactly. That handle, man. I mean, yeah. And he looks like he could be a legitimate rotation player uh, for the Utah Jazz uh, this year. I don't On know. On a that... contending team. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, I'm he's not looked, sure Quinn will do yeah, it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen their preseason games, and, um, you know, to be their fourth guard, he doesn't have a lot of competition there to beat out. Like if he looks good, he can be that guy. And so he he's looked tremendous. And I think one of the things that sticks out from this is that I think at a certain point, teams completely overdo it and outfox themselves on the health um, and medical front. And, you know, Greg Oden was obviously this incredible cautionary tale, but I, I mean, I saw it from the inside, too, that it would happen draft after draft. And, you know, we finally got to the point uh, with us where you're really having to push back and say, okay, what do, what do you mean when you say this is a, this is a red flag or what is, you know, what, it, what, what kind of actual risk are we talking about? Because especially like once you get outside the top 10 picks, the risk is that the guy can't play. Right. right. Like the, the, the risk isn't that he, you know, his maybe even in the top 10, the risk is he can't play. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Starting at two. Right. Yeah. Given some of these recent drafts. Um, but, you know, you're worried about his knee ligament five years from now. It's like, oh, OK, I don't want to dismiss that. But at the same the same point, like even, even if you get, you know, Brandon Roy at six, like you won that pick, you know. And so, I, yeah, I, I just think. The Butler thing, I'm really interested to see how this plays out. But I think, I think you know, we've seen it with him. We've seen it with Porter. We've seen some of these other guys that I think teams still outsmart themselves on the medical side on draft night. And, and you know, look, uh, even like with Michael Porter Jr., uh, he slides a bit. Uh, but sliding to 40, uh, that means in the second yeah. round – uh, yeah, 10 teams passed on Jared Butler. The, the Jazz told me they were just completely flabbergasted. They couldn't believe it. A, a pick after pick after pick um, right. a, a, as it goes down. They actually actually told me. You know, story. I think one thing that happens, though, on draft night is that when you see a slider ahead of you, mm-hmm. you start questioning if these teams mm-hmm. know something you don't. Right. You know, if that there's information contained in the fact that all these teams passed on them. So. 
when when you see a guy, I, I think uh, you know, I'm going back a bit, but like, do you remember when Darrell Arthur slid so much hmm. on a draft Kansas guy for yeah. you? Um, yeah, yes, I always feel I still feel the pain. Like, yes, yeah, there was like a fake rumor about something with him, right? And like, you know, t- teams kind of wonder at that point, like, okay, well, we had this other guy we already liked; it feels safer. Like, like you know, let's just stick with it. Again, get that at twenty. Uh, or 15 or 10 <laughs> at 40. Uh, I mean, really, there's a guy you like that much better that, uh, you know, because yeah. one of the things that Jess told me is their, their doctors were okay. They, they were okay with uh-huh. him. And they, there were some issues yeah. there, but they were yeah. like, this was not like a massive red flag, uh, you yeah. know, for them. Yeah. And so at some point, you better trust your own intel as well. I mean, you, these, these NBA teams are spending yeah. millions of dollars scouting and getting intel and you're going to base it based off of the fact that other teams aren't taking him i mean again i get it i get it early in the draft it seems bizarre at 40 uh yeah th- this jared butler uh, you know be interesting quinn typically doesn't really play a 10-man rotation even in the regular season so it will be interesting to see how he gets minutes but given mike conley's fragility uh, in the past, yeah. uh, certainly, uh, you know, Davian Mitchell, there, there's the potential here that he's going to get minutes and play on a contender. I'm always worried yeah. rookies typically can't help that much. Uh, but as far as a guy that they got on the minimum, you know, the Jazz were under uh, some financial crunches as well. This was just this was one of the home runs of the offseason to me. Found found money. Absolutely. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, all right. Let's talk about another guy that slid in the draft that's looked awesome early on. Bones Highland. Also another guy that, you know, taken in the mid-20s that looks like he may end up being a rotation player uh, for Denver uh, this this season as well. Uh, shooting the basketball, um, racking up assists. Uh, what do you think about Bones Highland? He's looked good. I still want to see how it plays out in the regular season because I do feel like, like Summer League is really designed for a player like him to shine where – if he's, you know, a scoring guard who has the ball in his hands like that, historically, those guys have looked really good in summer league, even when they've turned out to be total non-entities as NBA players. Right. So so that that's the one like cautionary flag for me. But the the thing I like is that he he has a skill and length package, even if he's not like explosively athletic, like. Yeah, he's got really long arms. He's uh, he he can shoot. He can handle. Like there's some skill and craft to him, and I I think he's going to be playing in an environment um, where you know he can come in with that second unit with Denver and have some freedom to do some of that stuff. So I, I think he's in a good situation too. I, I'm just I'm I'm holding myself back a little bit though because I just want to see how this looks in in games that count yeah i mean that, that's fair for all of these folks i mean we're, we're we're again we said at the top we're gonna overreact a little bit but at least the early going is denver got uh, a steal at what was he at 25 uh and nuggets front office i mean you got to hand it to them they, they found guys uh they're they're one of those teams that continues to find guys i think later in the draft that that, that are going to be helpful to them really like them all right let's talk about another one this is my biggest mystery John Hollinger loves Virginia. Uh-huh. Uh, this is his. This is his team. You did not love Trey Murphy. Let's let's yeah, be honest. Right? I had him. I had him as an early second rounder. I think. I, I just uh, you know I just got like a, a role player vibe from him. Uh, he's he's been good in the preseason. Um, a lot of it has been kind of three point percentage, which is you know maybe going to cool down a little bit. Um, the, the Pelicans as a whole do not look good. So that's a whole other interesting situation there, but he's looked the part so far in terms of like three and D forward comes in, plays a rotation role right away and is totally fine in it like that. That is the part that he's looked. And if he's that guy, yeah, then he's like this year's kind of Cam Johnson where everyone's like, Oh wait, did they take him too high? And then it turns out, no, they didn't. He he went too low. I mean, if if he if 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 what we've seen in the summer league and preseason is what he actually is, and like you said, in games that count and in, in the regular season, and and given again the emphasis that the NBA has on this particular position, uh, and this is one of those head scratchers. I mean, you know, he's averaging more in the summer league and preseason than he averages as a junior at Virginia. 
um, right? Like uh, there, there's these there's these moments uh, where you just sort of wonder, like what what happened here? Um, and you know, it's sort of like when when I underrate a Kansas player, it seems like that shouldn't happen. I'm really going to overrate one. Um, you're more analytical than I am. I probably throw more emotion into it than I do. Uh, but that's that's just one. I, I just I I didn't I didn't have him rated as low as you, but I also thought this was a and I thought teams were reaching. They were talking about him at like eleven, twelve, um, you know, thirteen yeah. on draft night, and uh, it's just uh, you know watching New Orleans play. He's been one bright spot in, in what you've what you're arguing right, which has been otherwise a pretty dark uh, preseason for them. Yeah, totally. And he may, I mean he may play a lot in these early games if Zion is out, um, which it seems like that's that's going to happen. It's so weird, though, because, I mean, my Wahoos were so starved for shot creation last year. You know, it was just like, you know, run the shot clock, run the shot clock. Okay, let's try another Kihei Clark pick and roll. See if we can see if we can turn the corner on this one. And and he was just never a part of that. And like you just watching that, I felt like, well, if this guy had any shot creation capability at all, clearly they would tap into it because they're so desperate for offense and it it didn't work out that way but he's he's been able to tap into a little more of like an off-ball role at the nba level where he's getting a little more stuff off movement and cuts and and being a secondary guy in the offense yeah alperin singun a guy that you had ranked very very highly as did a lot of people that rely on analytics as part of their thing slides to 16th in the draft inexplicably Oklahoma city trades this pick. He seemed like the exactly the type of player Oklahoma city would actually take um, at 16, the rockets get him. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a big transition for him from the way he was playing in Turkey uh, to, to the NBA game. But a lot of people were very confident. He's going to be able to make that transition, uh, especially get a more perimeter oriented game, uh, not just playing with his back to the basket, obviously questions about defensively what he's going to do. Just curious now that you got to see him in the summer league. Now you've got to see him in the preseason. How are you feeling about, about Shingun? I feel pretty good about him. Uh, it looks like the Rockets are going to bring him along a little more slowly. You know, Christian Wood and Daniel Tice are going to play a lot of minutes and, Shangun and Usman Garuba, you know, be kind of more with this with the second group probably. But we've already seen him do some stuff with the ball, sling some passes where where you really go, oh wow, okay, that was cool. Um, and you know, he can play out to the three point line defensively. I don't even think he's been that bad. I mean, I, not a defensive player of the year candidate by any stretch, but I I think he I think he's been a pretty encouraging start here. And I'm still really high on him. Yeah, I, I think that's been my general impression too. He's he's definitely passed the eye test um, early on, uh, and you you see the basketball IQ, you see the feel there. Uh, it's going to come along. I think it's it's really interesting. You know, Josh Christopher may have had the most impressive preseason of any of the Rockets. He gets limited minutes, and it, you know, again, probably some of it look at the level of competition that he's playing it against in fourth quarters in preseason games, but. Uh, but there's something about an eye test with him as well. You know, the athleticism's there. The scoring instinct is there. He's been a bit inefficient, um, but he doesn't lack confidence. Oh, well, I mean, that was clear in his Arizona State tape, right? Like, okay, another another Kobe shot? Okay, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's going to be interesting to see where he goes and where he takes his game because when when I saw him at the Combine – he really looked like a guy who realized he overdid it at Arizona state and kind of toned it down and tried to paint inside the lines a little more. And I, I think if he does that, he's going to be a helpful NBA player. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, one other guy that or, or two other guys, one guy that slid to the second round, the other guy that just shocked me, maybe didn't shock you, Sharif Cooper. Uh, you know, I, I kind of understood a, a little bit, uh, but I, I think that he looks like he's an NBA player. Uh, you know, watching him at Atlanta, I don't know what what kind of minutes he's going to get this year. Probably next to zero, uh, given uh, again Trey Young and and Delon Wright uh, there uh, locking down the, the the point guard position. But every time that he's on the court, he does really interesting things. Yeah, uh, he's he's going to be yeah College Park Skyhawks leading scorer and assist man for sure. Um, he. Uh, 
he was so interesting coming into the draft because like on a one to 10 scale, he was either like a one or a 10 in every category, right? Between like the shooting, the defense, the size were all major, major concerns, but the ability to break down defenses, get into the paint and deliver the right pass. And then he drew a ton of fouls at Auburn too. Um, and we've seen him already make some make some really eye-opening deliveries at the NBA level. It doesn't seem like his size is going to inhibit him from finding the right pass. You know, he's not he's not hitting hands when he when he throws these passes. So I think that's a really encouraging development for Atlanta. But I he's he's not going to get into the top nine on that team. I mean, even beyond Trey Young and DeLon Wright, like they could put Bogdanovich on the ball. They could put Herter on the ball. Like he's, he's got, he's got to push through a lot of guys. Skylar Mays has looked pretty good there. Like he's, he's got to push through a lot of people just to get a minute. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of him in the G league. And then as the year goes on, I think the Hawks can, can evaluate, is this a guy we need to push up in, into the main group? Or is this a guy we have for next year? DeLon Wright's an expiring, I think. Uh, so th- th- that'll be an interesting decision. Can, can I? Can, we're we're going to deviate here for a second because I want to talk about the Hawks for a minute. This team is so loaded with young players, uh, many mm-hmm. of whom are just not really going to be able to get opportunities because this is a deep, deep basketball team. Do they? Do you think the move here now is they've collected all these assets? I mean, one of the ass, what ways you deal with assets is you develop them and they they become players. But at a certain point, Atlanta cannot develop all of these guys. Um, they all can't be helpful to them. They've got Jalen John- Jalen Johnson. I don't think is going to see a minute um, this season. And and given what we and heard, and he's from- looked good. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. what we've heard from Duke, he's probably not going to be you know not going to be happy about it. A uh, Kongwu uh, again, another guy. He's injured right now, but you know where are the minutes going to be for some of these players? Is this is this the moment that they package? What are some really promising young prospects together? Uh, Herder, you know, you could go on Cam Reddish uh, and get another a superstar in return. Um, it seems to me that I think they, they have to be looking at that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think as presently constructed, they can get to the second round again. Maybe they can pull an upset and end up in the conference finals again. They're not beating Milwaukee or Brooklyn. I don't think as presently constructed. And so what, what, what they're set up to do though, still is that chips in move. Now you need the player to become available is the tricky part, but um, that chips in move where they still have all their future first round picks. You know, they, they have these guys, you know, Reddish, Herder, Okongwu, Johnson, like you say, um, they can put something together without a doubt. And it's just a question of, is that player going to come available for them at the right time and the right position, honestly. Like if Damian Lillard wants out of Portland, like it doesn't, doesn't really help Atlanta, no, no, right? No. You know, because you're not be the worst defense in the worst uh, uh, backcourt <laughs> defensively in the history of the NBA. Uh, to put, exactly. <laughs> to put him and Trey Young together. But what about Bradley Beal? I mean, there there's still a little bit of that, but I think he fits with Trey certainly much better than Lillard does. Um, and I don't know. Does Beal want to go to Atlanta, or would you rather just stay in Washington? I think that's. Still an open question. Well, does does Brad does does Bradley Beal? If you add Bradley Beal and you don't really subtract the starter, because I think that the Hawks could probably make a deal where they're literally not subtracting a starter. Bogdanovich coming off the bench now. Does that does that put Atlanta over the top? Does that put Atlanta in the same conversation with Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn? And if that's the case, if Bradley Beal and I want to win basketball games, then I got to consider that. And if I'm the Hawks. I got to consider that. I guess that's my sort of question is, does Bradley Beal do it? Does Trey Young, Bradley Beal, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdanovich, John Collins, Capella, does that get you to the NBA I think you're still an underdog. I think you're still an underdog against full-strength Brooklyn. Um, Now, will we see full-strength Brooklyn this year? I mean, (laughs) that's a whole other question. Yeah. Uh, inter- interesting thing, you know, they look, the Hawks have done a great job. If you want to think about collecting assets, I did a, a sort of a, a future rankings of just the players under top under 25, which team has the best collection of players under 25. And, and I ended up with the Hawks on top. I mean, if you just look from, from top to bottom, they're just loaded with actually not just bodies, but actually guys with intriguing um, upsides. And so they've done a great job in Atlanta. It's now converting that into, 
into winning a championship that sometimes becomes tricky. Uh, look, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about sophomores for a minute. Uh, before we do so, I want to talk about this would not be a Chad Ford NBA Big Board podcast without talking about Built Bar. Um, Built Bar is delicious. There's something for everyone. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, there's coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. My personal favorite's coconut. Tastes like a Mounds Bar. These are chewy. They're moist. They're delicious. They taste like a candy bar. But they're also healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. Only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, John, we talked about a bunch of rookies. I also want to talk about sophomores. Uh, let's just start with LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards. Seems like this this is going to be an ongoing argument maybe for years of which of these players is end up going to be the best best player in this draft class. Uh, you know, obviously LaMelo Ball started, started hot, uh, has looked great. Anthony Edwards starts shaky but really takes off in the second half of the season and really, really ended strong uh, for Minnesota. What do you expect from them this year? And and have you seen anything in preseason that stood out to you? So I, th- I think from LaMelo Ball's end, I think the, the question is what can he be in the half-court offense there? And can, can he be enough of a perimeter threat next to Hayward? Can he be an on-ball pick and roll guy who we know he's a wondrous passer, but can he be good enough on the ball as a scoring threat to then suck in defenses and really turn his passing into a weapon? Um, You know, basically is he going to be that kind of alpha type of player or is he kind of, you know, going to be a, a a good player, but not maybe a a special one. We, We don't know the answer to that yet. Um, Edwards is interesting. You know, I saw him last night. I think the T-Wolves are really uh, optimistic about what they've seen from him in the improvement at the defensive end where, you know, we saw the tape at Georgia and the first half of his rookie year where he would just take naps left and right. And now, uh, much like the the roosters in Hawaii, he seems to have awakened at that end. And uh, he, uh, he uh, is really... Uh, I, th- I think a lot more aware off the ball of, of what he's doing. We've seen him make some really athletic plays at the defensive end. And then watching him pregame last night, uh, what stood out to me is that his shot looks more consistent now. It's it's the same shot every time. He kind of had two different jump shots that he would shoot when he was at Georgia, I felt like. Uh, and And it just looks better coming out now. We didn't necessarily see the results last night. He didn't have a great shooting game, but, you know, you can tell a lot watching a guy before a game because you'll see him shoot a hundred times, and it it just looked a lot better to me. I thought that was a really encouraging sign too. If you're a betting man right now, five years from now, is it Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, the best player in this draft? Man, or will it be see, Paul was... Reed? I'll give you, I'll give you an option <laughs> C, Paul. Now Reed. we now we get the real answer. Only one of these guys has won a G League MVP award, Chad. Um, the you know, I was team Lamelo uh, from the get-go in that in that draft, and I and I was last year for Rookie of the Year. But man, Edwards is chewing up ground. You know, gaining on him. Uh, I just want to see where this goes a little more with Edwards. I, I think you now see a pathway to Edwards potentially moving past him, but I think that's still an uncertain pathway. There are still things Edwards needs to do in terms of of reading the game and improving as a shooter. And it's not a given that he gets to those places. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think it could be one of those deals where the debate goes back and forth a few times over the years. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Lamelo since I was Team Lamelo from the beginning. But Edwards is making this a really tough call. I was also Team Lamelo. Uh, I I had concerns about Anthony Edwards and just feel for the game and and like you said, like is is the competitive drive there? Uh, it's it's looking like okay. I mean, the, the one thing that makes you lean Edwards camp is the physical tools that he has Absolutely. compared to Lamelo. Yeah. If he's really going to get after it on the defensive end, and if that shot's going to fall, he has such an advantage athletically, really over almost anybody in the NBA. I mean, he is an elite, elite athlete, has the body uh, as well. You know, you're talking about if every box ends up ticking for him, he can be a top 10 player in the NBA, uh, you know, just based off of the athletic tools that he has. He's, he's a young player. Uh, and so I think it's really encouraging. In Minnesota, you have to feel really good about um, the direction it's heading right now and just hope it keeps uh, sustaining um, that way. You know, after, you know, with James Wiseman, we didn't get to see uh, in the preseason. I think there's, you know, healthy skepticism there. Patrick Williams will be interesting to see uh, now with this Bulls team that's going to try to be a contender. I, I think I came down about where you did in the in your preseason analysis that they made all of these moves they're definitely better, but I'm not sure they end up in a different space uh, in the ranking in, in the you know in the standings at the end of the end of the season. They yeah. played really well in the preseason, yeah. but again, I don't know what that means. Yeah, that that's kind of where I am too. And they've kind of put a lot of, on Williams if you look at where they're at with their four position and where they're at with their defense with the starters. Even though it looked pretty good in the first couple of preseason games, I think they're counting on him to do a lot of things for him and it's still pretty early in the day for him career-wise especially since he, you know was seen as more projecty out of florida state not like hey finish tool plug and play you know so i think it's really interesting that they're kind of on this win, win now footing but they're also starting this guy who's really more a future guy a couple years out like it, it's it's an interesting dance there and and i want to see what it looks like when williams comes back yeah I, i'm still pretty bullish on on williams i i i think that i still think that the bulls made the right choice here and, and in part you kind of look at you kind of go down until you get to tyrese halliburton again and there's a lot of kind of head scratching with this draft right now and, and what these guys are going to be and, and none of them really popping necessarily right now as sophomores or in the summer league. None of them look like they've made the big jump. And one that's troubling is Killian Hayes, a, a guy that I liked uh, in the draft. I liked him. I liked him too. And I, I didn't I, like him better than Tyrese Halliburton, but I liked him and defended yeah. Detroit's uh, drafting him, though I would have taken Halliburton ahead of him. I, I'm, I'm getting concerned if I'm a P Pistons fan right now about about Killian Hayes. Is it too early to be concerned? It's not too early to be concerned. It's too early to write him off, but he has looked like not an NBA player, like just, just flat out, just not it. And you still see little flashes of some of the stuff that got him picked. Uh, but without the kind of basic nuts and bolts of either having a shot that's good enough to really command defense's respect or, enough quickness to get by a defender without having some kind of manufactured advantage there there's just not a lot there and so and so you really have to worry about that yeah i you know i'm worried and it, it'll be interesting to see how the pistons decide to use him when kate cunningham comes back and there's a lot of talk that they're going to be sharing the basketball and and you know kind of back and forth as as primary ball handlers for this team i'm skeptical that Cade. Uh, is going to be ultimately a primary ball handler. It's sort of interesting. He had that rep coming into the draft more than Scotty Barnes. And I actually feel more comfortable projecting Scotty Barnes that way than I Absolutely. do uh, yeah. Cade Cunningham. That was, that was my thing with Cade. I thought Cade to me was much more of like a shooter and secondary ball handler. And I, I don't see Cade and Hayes working together for the sim simple reason that Hayes isn't a guy you can start right now. Like Detroit needs to bring him off the bench and at least let him play against backups. Like setting him out for the first five minutes to get abused by, you know, frontline players in the NBA. I just don't think that's helpful for his development. And you end up not playing him that much with Cade anyway, because you have to pull him out of the game so quickly. So I, I, that, that's one that I just don't see there. Like I, I think for his sake, for the Pistons sake and everything, like I think they just need to start Corey Joseph and then, 
you know, go to Hayes with, with the second unit, see what you can get at him, see if you can bring him along. Um, but just, just throwing him into the deep end of the pool. I mean, they tried that last year and it was a disaster. I, I just, I'm flabbergasted that they're doing that again. Yeah. Well, and well, you hope that there's progress from rookie to the sophomore year, but I, I'm not seeing it. Uh, I didn't really even see it in the summer league, uh, which no, is re- I didn't really see troubling. It in summer league or or preseason, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and so, how does it work out in the regular season? So, okay, so I'm ticking down the list of the draft here. Uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, I really like. I think he's going to be a really good player. Is is Devin Vassell going to be the next kind of best player um, out of this group? I mean, you know, it's interesting. He's getting it, the Spurs are a really interesting team this year. It, it, it's hard to exactly see where, where everybody's role is going to be. They also took Josh Primo uh, in the draft. Um, you know, Keldon Johnson is there. Um, I'm not sure what role he's going to play, but every time I watch Vassell play, I, I like him. Uh, and I liked him pre-draft as well. I thought the Spurs got a steal here in the draft. Uh, what, do, what do you think about Devin Vassell? Yeah, I liked him too coming into the draft. I thought it was kind of a ready-made 3 and D package that had some upside to go along with it. Uh, my man needs to get to the basket once in a while. Like it, it can't just all be jump shots. Uh, and I, th- I think that's the biggest thing holding them back right now is that that off the dribble game and the ability to beat people off the bounce, even with the threat of his shot, which he should be able to use to gain an advantage, just just hasn't been able to get inside the paint at all. Um, and so it's made him a very jump shot dependent player. And it's like if he can shoot forty percent from three, then maybe it doesn't matter. But when you put yourself in a position where you have to shoot 40% from three, that's you're raising the bar pretty high for yourself. Precious Ochoa doesn't get much run in Miami. I think they try early on, decide he's unplayable. Uh, getting a lot of minutes in Toronto. Uh, again, we talked about their developmental team there and how they're developing players. Uh, he certainly looked better uh, in, the, in the preseason this year. They're, they're playing him at the five. Uh, what do you think about about him and this, this fit with Toronto. Is this a, is this a case where, you know, again, on, on a certain team, you're going to be a really troubling fit, but you get to the right team and a, a team that believes in you is going to develop you. And maybe this is the best thing that could have happened to him in his career. Well, I think it's, it's probably good for him to go from Miami to Toronto because he is going to play in Toronto. I mean, if you look at the other options at center there, like you know, he's going to play, but is he is he an answer? I mean, I, I have a hard time saying that. To to me, he's like he plays hard, he plays with energy, he rebounds. Um does doesn't really know what a good shot is, doesn't doesn't have great feel for the game, especially at the offensive end. I don't think he's a guy like you can play through with the elbows or anything like that at all. And not like a super like above the rim guy either, where, where you're just having him dive to the basket on pick and rolls and he's dunking on people's heads. So to me, his value proposition is like, he's, he's not a starting center to me, but I mean, what else do the Raptors have? I mean, that's what, that's what submarine their season last year. Right. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I was a little flabbergasted by that whole trade where they, they took basically Ochoa and a, and a negative contract, uh, with 19 million for Dragic as the return in a Kyle Lowry sign and trade. Like that's, like you, I, I don't think they came out ahead on that basically. So, um, you know, maybe though the, though the chances that Dragic, though the chances that Dragic is a Raptor by the trade deadline are, are slim, right? You would think that, but again, you, you know, the number you got to get to is 19 million for a guy who's going to be a backup point guard on any good team he goes to. So it, it's not as easy as you might think. And, and if you're, you know, if he's not there because they bought him out, then they didn't win anything. Right. So, um, so I, I just, that was a confusing episode to me. It's interesting as we keep going down this draft, I think there was some concern in the 2020 draft that this wasn't a great draft. Uh, it's, it's hard to get super excited about this draft scene where some of the sophomores were the, the best sophomores were Jordan Nora, Isaiah Joe, Desmond Bain, two second round picks, and I think the thirtieth pick in the draft. Um, Xavier Tillman looked pretty good for yep, Memphis. Paul too. Reed, Sam Merrill uh, has looked has looked good. Uh, early Sam on Merrill, that last Grizzlies preseason game, I want to say he had thirty. Now it was it was a little bit of a hodgepodge on the court, you know, for both teams in that game, but he was knocking him down, man. Any of these guys intrigue you, or is this all just sort of? 
preseason white noise right now with Noor uh, Isaiah. I think Desmond Bain's going to be starting for Memphis this year. I think he's just like a good three and D role player. That's all he is, you know. But at thirty, that's a good pick. Uh, same thing with Xavier Tillman. You know, older player drafted with the fortieth pick. You know, slides into a role as a backup five. Good defender, smart, uh, can pass a little bit. That's what he's going to be in the NBA. Like you're not getting some huge upside out of it, but picking that late, it's still a win. We joke a and, lot. Uh, oh, oh go ahead. free Paul Reed, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where we're going to end. I mean, we joke, we joke a lot about Paul Reed. Paul Reed looks great in the G League. Uh, he get he doesn't doesn't get a lot of minutes uh, right for Philly. Even in the preseason, he's not getting you know a ton ton of minutes for them. You know, you joke free Paul Reed. Uh, do, do you know something the Sixers don't? Is this just the log jam? Would he be, if he was on a bad team, uh, you know, like if he was on Orlando or Oklahoma City or something like that, would we be seeing him blow up right now and, and him getting big minutes? What's what's really up with Paul Reed? I mean, I know you love him and I I, I know the analytics point in his direction. Yeah. But what do you, I, I think what do you they, honestly I, think? I, I think they don't trust him because his game is still kind of wild and he's still a little you know, undisciplined at both ends. And so they figure if they're, if they're putting some guy in, you know, it, for 10 minutes, they'd rather go with the, go with the known and, and something a little safer. I thought they hurt themselves last year in the playoffs playing, playing Dwight Howard, those minutes, but it's a big jump to play a rookie who was the 57th pick or whatever in in playoffs, second round playoff series. So I can understand that a little more. I do think whatever happens with Simmons, any smart team that's on those trade talks is saying, okay, you got you to throw in this other guy too. You're not using him anyway. It, does Neil O'Shea become GM of the year if he trades Damian Lillard uh, for Ben Simmons, but really he trades Damian Lillard for Paul Reed? Trojan horse trade. It was really doing it for Paul Reed, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, last question, Ben Simmons. Have we gone too far the other way on Ben Simmons now? Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's so much hate out there for Ben Simmons, and you know, so many people. I mean, this is a 25 year old, multiple All Star, runner up for Defensive Player of the Year, and it, it seems to me, and that this is happening, I actually think in the 2022 NBA draft as well, where we just can't quantify de- the average fan just can't quantify defense. They they can't get past if a player has offensive limitations. I mean, you're actually hearing people arguing about Rudy uh, in Utah as well. And Rudy's not a top 10 player because, you know, offensively this or that or whatever. It seems like we just have a hard time in our brains quantifying that this game is played at both ends and that having a huge defensive impact can have a huge impact on your team. Have we have we swung too far away from Ben Simmons as a talent? Forget about his personality or, you know, his decision to hold I out or whatever. But as a talent, have we swung a- too far? I think the media entity has, I don't think NBA teams have, I think the Sixers are still getting calls on him. There's still teams that are interested and the Sixers have, have kept the asking price way up here. Um, and I think that's a little strategic because they don't really want to trade him yet. Cause they want to see if Damian Lillard comes available first, but th- I think in NBA front offices, the pendulum hasn't swung too far. It's, and it's out here in media world where I think it has. Here's my uh, every. I think you've posited Indiana as being maybe you know a, a team that that could put together a package and you'd like that fit. What about Charlotte? What about a Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward uh, combination of deal? I mean, there, there could be some young players or whatever there. Would Ben Simmons and Lamelo Ball? Uh, be able to play together. I mean, you think about their their problems at the five, think, and they have huge problems at the five. I think that's a really five. interesting one. That is really interesting to me because what Charlotte has done a lot is play centerless with like PJ Washington at five and just try to go fast as hell. And you know, minus Rozier and Hayward, there's probably some shooting deficits in that in that strategy. Um, but that that at least, I mean, that's interesting. Okay. The, both ways, because I think you get something out of that if you're Philadelphia, too, with those guys. Um, that extension for Rozier could be a problem in Philly with their tax situation and $96 million coming to him. Uh, might, might need to be a different player with Hayward, maybe, but that 
that is an interesting one. I kind of I like that. I kind of like that. Ball and Simmons, you know, is Simmons going to be happy screening for ball 50 times a game? I mean, that that's probably the biggest variable that you have to wonder about. Hey, it's interesting, again, that that uh, I, I've just been trying to look at it. What teams have we not been talking about that could use Ben Simmons? And uh, I, I think there's lots of lots of reasons for Charlotte to consider it. And I think they probably, like you said, maybe it's not Terry Rozier, but there's probably a collection of, of again, combination of veterans and players that they could put together that might be really intriguing uh, for, for, for Philadelphia. Uh, holding out the Lil- for Lillard, I, I think, is going to be a mistake, uh, just in my opinion. Uh, and so make make a deal. All right. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna hold out a little longer. I think they're gonna go till close to the trade deadline and then say uncle and take whatever's the best thing on the table. Okay. He's John Hollinger. Check out his team previews for all thirty teams over at the Athletic. John, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sure we'll come back at some point in the season and start talking about uh, the 2022 uh, NBA draft class. But let's give it a little time to to watch how these guys come out. It's for me right now. This is a wide open draft. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get out and see some of these guys. All right, John. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.